0: Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses for an audience of real entrepreneurs who are really building their businesses. And many of them return here to do interviews themselves once they've they've made it, for lack of a better word. But check this out. Here's what I freaking love about today's guest. He saw what many of us saw, which is insurance is just terribly outdated. The whole process, everything from the fact that I've got to talk to someone on the phone to sometimes I have to fax them paperwork to the fact that they give me paperwork that I have to then scan into my computer, which is a pain in the neck. The whole experience stinks. They're completely out of touch. He saw that, like many of us. He also, like many of us, realized that getting into insurance is not easy. There are regulations for for. Good reason, right? They're entrenched competitors. who are super strong for good reason, right? Nobody wants to trust their their uh, their property, their lives to fly by night operators. They want people who've been around for a long time. So he said, "How am I going to break into this space?" The thing that excites me about Christian's story is, he said, "Okay, I can't day one start with an insurance company. It's challenging, especially when you bootstrap. It's challenging." So he came up with this great way into the space. He said, well, you know what's a problem? Finding all of our records, understanding whether we're covered or not, figuring out what our insurance products are. I know it. We just hired uh, somebody to help us organize our finances. One of the first things we need to do is get him all the insurance that we have. And it's freaking pain in the neck. Anyway, so that's what today's guest did. He said, "I'm going to start off by doing that, digitizing that for for consumers. I will make money from that. I will get into the space that way, and then we're going to level up by providing more and more insurance." He's doing this in Germany and the UK. I wish he was doing this in the U.S., but I'm just in awe of the fact that he found this way in. We're going to find out how Christian Veens created Get Safe. It is a digital insurance provider, and we could do it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first will host your website, right? It's hosting my website. It's called HostGator. You can get them at HostGator.com slash Mixergy. The second creates great landing pages. There you've got a conversion report that will help you increase your conversion rates on your landing pages. It's called Unbounce. I'll talk about them later. Christian, good to have you here. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for having me. How? What's the revenue at GetSafe right now? Give me a sense of where you guys are.
1: I always say it's it's, it's so early in insurance but we don't we don't care I I couldn't say we don't care about revenue but it's not not our major major driver right in KPI we're looking at we're by the way not not also, not disclosing it as we have a lot of VCS and, and investors involved including a big reinsurance giant as I would call it um, and uh, and so what we rather look at is is how many, young consumers, can we get excited to buy insurance with us in a totally new way?
0: Um, so how many do you have who are buying through you?
1: We have 200,000 customers uh, right. in Germany and, and a few in the, the UK that we entered last year. And the interesting thing about that is that we focus on millennials. We focus on, on people that buy insurance for the first time in their life. It's like 90% of the people that By a get insurance coverage, have never bought insurance before for for themselves. And that's exciting because that's people that are new to the industry that would never go to an agent or to a broker that are used to do stuff on their smartphone. And we cover almost 10% of that millennial first time buyer generation in Germany um, and can grow with them over many, many, many decades. And so that's the interesting part of, of our customer base.
0: And it's car insurance, property insurance, that kind of insurance. The whole thing started and you pivoted, right? As I said earlier, from uh, uh, digitizing people's uh, insurance to actually offering them new insurance. Those things started because you had an issue where you needed insurance. What happened to you?
1: Yeah, that was... um... As it can always happen, right? Um, and, and for me, it happened when I moved into an apartment. I just dropped out of university. So I moved into a new apartment. I was moving stuff around in the basement uh, of, of the condo. And, and my landlord had stored two big glass doors, custom-made, rounded glass doors that he didn't need in the apartment. And, and I somehow crashed into them, um, broke both of them. And first thing that I did is going to my parents and asking them if this is an insurance case that is covered in family coverage, because I I dropped just out of university. I'm a well-educated mechanical engineer by by education, but I had had no clue and idea of insurance, as most of us, right, when we're young and are getting started. And and the problem is that my parents that had piled up insurance for decades that own a small business that had like 15 folders with thousands of pages of paper that piled up over, over, over the years, couldn't answer my question, and still spend a few thousand bucks on insurance every year. And that was pretty disappointing. It was a Saturday. We couldn't reach the broker that sold them the insurance 25 years ago. Um, and so that was disappointing, right? And that was kind of my initial encounter with insurance where I
0: learned a lot of things. And the thing that's that's frustrating for a lot of people is you pay for insurance, you don't know whether you get it until you need it. You finally needed it. You went through the insurance, you discovered, no, you weren't covered and you had to pay for the glass on your own. The next leap was to say, I'm going to start a company based on this. Are you someone who's so entrepreneurial that you're always looking for company opportunities? I mean, you told our producer about that guitar business that you started as a kid thinking of that. Can you tell people what that was?
1: I, to answer your question, yes, I'm always looking Always into, looking, looking to building something from nothing. I, I like to start on a white page of paper, piece of paper and then and then see what I, what I can do and, and, and it started with me being 14, 15, and I played a lot of guitar. Um, and I was at a public musical school, a music school and my brother as well. We were in a jazz band and all that kind of stuff that you do we spend a lot of time with music. We were good at that age but we were not excited about the teachers at public music schools. They were older and didn't want to play the music we wanted to play. Um, So we decided to start a music school on our own with a crappy website. And we, we invited other friends at the similar age, right? All people between 14 and 16 to become teachers as well. So we started becoming teachers for other, 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 uh, other scholars and, and, and young people, but also parents of the kids that we, that we teach and, and did it in a, in a new, new, new fashion and way. were very pragmatic, play the music they wanted to play. Today you have apps for that, right? You have guitar yeah. hero. I don't know how, how, how they're called. I'm not into that business anymore. That's where, where entrepreneurship got started for me.
0: I know what you mean. I hated guitar class. I wanted to play heavy metal. These like obscure 1970 songs, nobody even knew them, let alone cared about them. And my teacher wanted me to play classical music on the guitar. I couldn't deal with it. And so I gave up on the guitar until I found some sheet notes that you can kind of go through on your own. I get that. To to this day, do you still keep a sheet or notepad somewhere even on your device with different business ideas? Is that the way your mind thinks?
1: Yeah, I always look for tools that help improve my life. And I think I, I recently only switched to, to, to digital paper, let's say, uh, like a, a pencil um, and an iPad. And I, I have that. Yeah. I have a, a list of, of, of ideas. Give me some, um, some that you've yeah, written yeah. recently that you may not pursue. <laughs> yeah. um, Oh, there, there, I, there, there are some that I also kind of converted into action. For example, my brother is a dentist um, and, and he, um and he always had the idea that dentistry is, is is broken and and so we collected that as an idea. and now he started a, 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 a modern dentist chain that is using te- technology to improve the experience. So that was one that I what really... do you mean
0: what's different about his his dental chain?
1: The dental chain is essentially it started with a patient journey where you book your appointment online, where we ask you, all different kind of questions about, uh, or he asks people all about all different kinds of questions. If you have any fears, or if you want to listen to a podcast, for example, during your treatment, um, which kind of fa- flavor of toothpaste for your cleaning you want to have, all that kind of stuff. So we really customize it. We ask for your insurance, we check if it's covered, we're transparent with prices. So before the appointment, we make it better. Then you go into a studio. I mean, it's still in the making, right? Into your studio that is, that is, that is modern, that doesn't look like a, like, a, like a clinic, but rather a place where you want to be. Uh, that is welcoming. And then we have doctors um, that are not paid by, by by commissions or so, but by NPS and patient satisfaction. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that score. get
1: also, if they're young doctors, for example, get AI based recommendations on which is the right order of treatments or which treatments options you have. And the
0: billing is done online, all this kind of stuff without getting too much into it. Give me, give me an idea that you've written that is, it's good, but you're not gonna pursue. Let me let me get one of the cast-offs too to get a sense of how you're thinking.
1: Yeah, one is one is a, is a is a it's 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 random, but it's a water filter, right? Um, so I drink tap water all the time, and in I Germany, it from it's From that bad. glass
0: jug, That's a beautiful jug that you're drinking out of.
1: Exactly, and now we have this filter systems in Germany that are coming more and more um, uh, that you can really implement into into the whole like technology of your house and but but you have these these glass filters also that there's a company from Germany called Brita. I don't know if you have it in the in the US or so. Yeah. And but they're they're ugly. They're made from plastic Dang. and so and and I always wanted to make a, a filter that I want to also put on my on my table when I have friends at home for dinner. Yep. that looks nice, that is made from glass, that is perhaps more sustainable. That is something for example I never did.
0: But you know Christian, I interviewed an entrepreneur who did it Um, Mike Del Ponte, he called this thing Soma. It looked beautiful. When I would put it out on the table for dinner, people always complimented it and looked at it like it was something like fine art. I wonder why he didn't stick with it. What happened? The thing that I liked about his business was not only was it beautiful, but it was a subscription-based business. He said, you don't have to worry about getting new ones. We'll just automatically send it over. And frankly, even if he didn't have people on subscription, you eventually see that your filter is kind of out of date, and so you order another one. There's ongoing repeat business there where where it makes so much sense. I wonder what happened. I should get them back. Sounds on here. good,
1: but at least it doesn't exist in Europe. So here, it doesn't exist no here anymore. To, really, to order something like this is impossible here in Germany and Europe. But that's that's one of that's one of the the things I I, I thought through. The other one is is. Now everybody is, is working remotely and I have mm-hmm. this company where actually, again, that's that's again an idea that I put into action where I invested in the team is they're essentially helping companies to easily rent furniture for their workers that are at home, but not just, but they go through distributors, like th- through, through big kind of um, uh, office furniture shops, where you as an individual can really customize and get the right chair and the right design that fits into your home because people want to have their, yes. their home office to look good, right? And not just yeah. be a random office chair that you get kind yeah. of from your employer. And kind of that that model is again, that's an idea that I had early during the pandemic. And then I found a team that wanted to do that.
0: And and you're finding furniture shops that are willing to rent out their furniture?
1: No they it's a leasing model they essentially sell it to the company so the employer is paying for it for the employee but the employee can choose and customize and everything and then gets it delivered and professionally
0: also built up um at home. Yeah. Oh that makes so much sense. I I feel like somebody should do that also for Zoom setups, you know? Just send the team members all that they need to look good on Zoom for their specific environment, right? Depending on the room that you're in, you might need different different setup. All right, I'm totally with you. Let me see if I understand the basics. So here, it seems like you constantly come up with these ideas, almost like you're flexing your entrepreneurial muscle. So when you're hit with a big problem like the the fact that you aren't on your parents' insurance, instead of bitching the way a lot of people do, you're training yourself to say, "I can solve this." Let me see what I could come in. I told you before we got started, the brilliance of your business to me was the way that you got started. You said, I'm not going to create an insurance alternative, I'm going to create a way in that makes sense. I feel like you underplayed that when we talked. Tell me about how you made that leap.
1: Yeah, we were. I mean, we were a small team of two founders, no experience in insurance. I came through that industry, I encountered my first touch point was that experience with the glass doors. So so I literally had to go through glass doors essentially to or to break through glass doors to to get into the the industry. I wasn't interested in insurance as a mechanical engineer at at all. And and then the first real problem that I saw was my parents' problem. So having 15 folders, a lot of paper, spending a lot of money a few thousand bucks every year for insurance and not even knowing if their kid is still covered in family insurance, which insurance covers, if they have double double insurance or double coverage or not, how they can reach somebody if they have a claim at any time, seven days a week. So all these things were not, not approachable. And so we thought it's unrealistic for us to go through all the regulation and having an insurance license where you have to own ring fenced capital for regulate, re- regulatory mm-hmm. reasons. That is, we didn't have that, right? So, but we thought if we could solve our parents' problem, of course we started to talk to our other parents and other people and our uncles and okay. and, and, and 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 relatives and so. Um and then the and it was very clear everybody hates managing. Their insurance stuff every and they year. And... I
0: see. So I thought you said I'm gonna to yourself, I need to make a better insurance company than the one my parents had. Instead, it seems like what you said was, I'm going to help people like my parents and relatives organize their paperwork. Was it in the back of your mind that you would be creating an insurance company, or was it always in the beginning just creating better data?
1: No, it absolutely was because was. for me the North Star was to build an insurance company. So that people like myself and my friends would never end up like my parents. So that was kind of the North idea that I had. Um, and But it was clear that it wasn't practical. And and I always learned, always start with a feature that makes hundred people, a thousand people happy. And that's exactly what we did. And we could start, how, how great is that, Got right? It. You build a startup and a tech product that your, your parents, your, your biggest critics normally would use. So I think that... Sounded really easy, reasonable <laughs> and what wasn't wasn't so difficult from a regu- regulatory perspective and, and, and a funding perspective. And it really clicked. And there's this company, I think, called mint.com, or the, that was yeah. a company at least, uh, in in the US. And and it's similar. I always explain it like this: it's a mint.com for insurance. So you aggregate, we aggregated all your data around your existing insurance. We looked for gaps, we looked for savings potentials, we helped you when you had a claim but we acted like your your better broker essentially that is digital in your smartphone and that was the first feature we we started with
0: all right i want to do an ad for my first sponsor it's hostgator listen to me if you're out there and you're seeing how christian just keeps coming up with ideas and as a result is basically pumping up his entrepreneurial muscles and you want to do the same thing i urge you to go to hostgator the thing that i like about hostgator is they've got that if you go to hostgator.com mixergy you'll see there's a middle option on there that gives you unlimited domain hosting which means anytime you have an idea instead of just sitting on it you can just try to implement it and if You don't like it, you discard it, doesn't cost much. It's so inexpensive to host with them. It's so dependable that I have staked my whole business on their platform. And it's a good way to stretch your muscles. If you want to get started, go to hostgator.com/slash mixergy. They will give you the lowest price. In fact, I know it because Christian, one of my listeners, emailed me and said, Andrew, you always say that you have the lowest price if people use hostgator.com slash mixergy. I found a lower price. Believe it or not, I went to HostGator, same day HostGator responded, changed my pricing to be the lowest possible price in re- in reaction to some other low price that they had somewhere else. But people, if you're listening to me, don't go because the price is low. Go because, frankly, you'll get great service from HostGator. You'll be supporting Mixergy, and it'll be a good business decision and a good life decision for you. HostGator.com slash Mixergy. And keep telling me about your results with my sponsors. HostGator.com slash Mixergy. All right, the first version that you created, you were, you were bootstrapping. How much money did you put into it?
1: A bit under 100K. And that was money that I, that's a lot of money for a graduate, I would say, but it's money that I saved and got. And for my first startup, that I that was a startup that I started during university. It was not the music school. That was when it was back back at, back, back, back at school. This is Gormeo. What's it was Gourmeto. It was like an open table for Germany. Again, a problem, a solution that everybody knows in the US. It's, it's booking a table in the restaurant online instead of calling or so. Um, and it didn't exist in Europe. And so that was the idea. And I founded it with my flatmate during university. So it was really a, my, my first ever true serious entrepreneur and experience. And I made some money from, from that. And so I invested around hundred K and
0: you were able to get Gormio into local restaurants. They actually implemented your software. How did you do yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, it was, it was, it was not such a small business at the end. It was funded. We had 75 people. We were live in most of the larger German cities. We tried to expand in France and the UK, but then what we, what, we, what we realized, and it's still the case, by the way, in Germany, you call the restaurant to, to, to book a table. You never do it online. And it's still not the case because I think the culture of eating out is, is way less developed here in Germany specifically than in other countries like the US, for example. And, and so it's still not a thing. That's why maybe we're too early, and it's still too early. The the product market fit wasn't there. There were some implementations and, and people that booked it, but the openness to also pay for it from from the restaurant owner side wasn't wasn't just there. The, the problem wasn't big enough.
0: And so, in retrospect, what would you have done to understand that before you got started?
1: That's a good question. So I. I spoke to a lot of restaurant owners and to be honest, I had had to do a lot to convince them to to implement our solution. And that perhaps was the point where I was so much, I was so pumped to to get this first company up and running and and make it work. And also, to be honest, get all the the learnings and convince investors. And so that that perhaps I didn't listen to that feedback so much and this is still my number one advice when i talk to young entrepreneurs is in a certain phase be, until you find product market fit be super self critical always go ask the hard questions they're not comfortable but you you essentially should feel if you're right if you're wrong and you should be very honest and frank towards yourself and i think that's the hardest one of the hardest skills in life in general but in in entrepreneurship specifically. And I I wasn't that good at it. And it's still difficult because once the ship is running, it's, it's, it's always hard, right? To change direction.
0: You know what I find is especially hard about it is if you're an entrepreneur, your job is to persuade other people, to be optimistic, to see a vision where it doesn't exist and has no right to exist. And so that goes against what you're saying, which is, also be so brutally honest that you can say this is not a good idea for the moment not a good idea for the place maybe not the right thing i should do and that's hard that's, that's why hard that's why
1: it's 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 lonely as a founder right it's always lonely because you have to have to, that discussion with yourself uh, maybe with your co-founder but yeah. not with the rest of the world
0: okay um, and so you had a little bit of money from there, actually considerable amount of money from there. You decided I was going to, you were going to invest in it. The first version was, what did it look like? And then we'll talk about who, who signed up for it.
1: Yeah. Luckily the first word version is something my co-founder and I could, could build ourselves. That was great because we were what I call a full stack team that could build the, the software. I did design and product management and PR and marketing. And he did the coding. Um, So he's a physicist by education, but he always coded. So that was easy. But what we did from day one, um, and that was definitely one important sign and and value and first principle we followed from day one because we knew that ultimately we would build an insurance company for young people that should never end up like my parents with thousands of pages of, of paper and so on we build it mobile first. So we always were an app only, mobile only provider. And essentially it was a mobile app on Android and iOS that you could download where you would give us just the, or select the names of the insurance providers and the, the products, the policies you have with them. Let's say motor insurance with Geico or life insurance with Allianz and your name and some 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 of your, your data. Then you would sign... A power of attorney to allow us to go to the insurance company in your name and ask for the the policies and documentation we didn't ask you to scan it or so
0: i don't have to go and scan it i don't have to go and find it i just say you have the right to do this now you go to the insurance company and you get it oh that makes so much sense
1: that was a critical factor because you need to build a Product and solution that is so good that people can't say no, right? And 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 if you had to scan everything on your own, that would have definitely failed. So the convenience for the consumer was there, but the nightmare for us, of course, started because all these insurance companies started sending us faxes and and paper mail that we then scanned for our customers yeah. internally and uploaded in the app,
0: and then. Why didn't you ask for username and password? Is that too much of a privacy risk? Mint, I think, was doing that using, um, I forget the service that they were using, but they did that.
1: Yeah, but it's a fair question. But in insurance, there's nothing like this. There's no API. There's no login area. At least I, I'm talking about European traditional insurance yeah. companies, right? Um There's nothing like this. There isn't an API where you could access the data that are digitally stored somewhere and just just do it. And I I suppose it's also pretty difficult in every other country. It's not like banking, like Mint, where they grabbed all the all the information from from other banks or or accounts that you have. In insurance, it it doesn't work like this. It was shocking for us, but it's it's as it is and still like this.
0: And you know what? I think even in insure, even in uh, banking, Mint used to have to come up with all these different, they, they signed up first with a service that then went through all these different, um, They basically had a lot of things to do in order to get past bank's resistance to giving up data. So I get the challenge. You had real human beings then take the paperwork, scan it. That's a lot of money, a lot of time. That meant you had to charge your customers for it because you were essentially bootstrapped, right? And if you had to do that, am I I right about that? Before I ask my next question, I'm looking at your face and I wonder, did the first people pay?
1: Um, The people didn't pay. The indirectly, so we got commissions from the insurance companies, because what most people don't know is that brokers get commissions from insurance companies, both if they sell an insurance company, insurance product for you, but also if you renew it. So whenever you renew it, they get a new commission. And so we earned money from people, um, from, from us managing the insurance policies for our customers as a broker, essentially as a digital broker ah. and getting commissions and renewal commissions every year. Um, and also from selling additional policies to our, our customers. And, and so it, it's, it was free, uh, for the, for the consumer.
0: Got it. And so if you're looking at car insurance, people can renew that every six months, right? Home insurance, renter's insurance. Am I right about that? Again, I saw your eyes yep. do something when I said it. 12 months, normally. 12 months, okay, uh, here, got it. Here at least, yeah. So that means that you had to wait for about, well, up to a year uh, to renew. But then once you did, they didn't have to pay you, but you did earn money. Now I understand how the business worked. You got to how much in revenue with that? That I think you can talk about since you pivoted away, right?
1: Yeah, I can, yeah, I can roughly say that. It's still the, still the same company and same, same entity. And we, we sold that part of GetSafe to a to another company to a price comparison side that wanted to have that feature um, uh, because they needed exactly that so we were at a at a single seven digit a few millions in revenue so it wasn't working working bad um, the pivot didn't come from the business model that didn't work well enough right or the scale or so it was it came from our conviction that. If you really wanted to build a huge company that people really love, that was not the right foundation. I can tell you why. Two things. First of all, you mentioned the manual work we had to put in to digitize all these policies that came in in paper from the insurance companies because there are no APIs. And the second problem is the service we provided, the speed of service we provided in claims, in underwriting... In digitizing all that stuff for our customers could only be as good and as fast as our insurance partners, the big insurance companies provided it. And they're not known for providing stuff quickly um, and in digital ways, especially if it comes to the claimants experience. So we could, we were building a company on the processes and products and the and the foundation of traditional insurance companies. It it, It could never be better than that. And that was the point when we said, how can we ever build an experience for, for people that is not like what my parents had to experience? And that was the moment when we pivoted the business into being a broker aggregator service, call it as you like, policy management service into a proper insurance company where we would start building our own renter's insurance product and motor insurance product and sell it directly to consumers still through an app still with all the convenience of having all your policies and 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 certificates in place being able to file the claim through the through the app but everything with a way better and quicker and real time experience because we now own the whole processes and product and and platform and technology behind it
0: so why did you have to sell off that other business because it would be you would be competing with y- your customer no you wouldn't be you'd be you, it you, i guess would you be was is it because your new insurance company would compete with the insurance companies that you were representing as a broker
1: also but also because of focus to be honest mm. because it for us it, it, it's really two different business models and also two different different audiences to be honest because with what get safe does today we're trying to Make insurance really accessible for young, for millennials, for young people that buy insurance for the first time that expect such a mobile first digital paperless experience. And before that, we rather solved my parents' problem. So people that had piled up insurance Ah, already, and so it was a different audience and, and yeah, it was a focused question, then an opportunity also to, to sell that part of the business and, and technology that we wouldn't use anymore anyway.
0: Uh, And then I can see also, you told TechCrunch uh, a while back, you said, we have a bigger vision. And one of them is like, once you digitize, it's not just the purchasing experience and the management experience that gets better. It means you also, if you have a good smart app, you can tell how much people are driving their car. And if they're not driving it much because they've decided to work from home, then that's that reduces their coverage. If they are driving it a lot and you see every day driving to and from an office, or long drives, I guess that also changes the insurance plan. Am I right about that? That's the vision.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's great is that the benefit of building a mobile first insurance company with young people is that all of our customers use our mobile app to manage the policy. They trust us as an insurance company. So you have to be very kind of trusted business. And So we have that nice device that our people use, our customers use anyway, and now we can start making the insurance product smarter and more personalized by saying, hey, you can pay for car insurance, like what you would pay with another company, but you can also, and yeah, that's that's vision because we didn't implement that yet, but we have 200,000 people using our app. Even a few times a month or a year. Yeah? It's, there's a certain engagement, which is not normal for insurance, right? The, the, the usual insurance company has a touch point with you every three years on average. So never essentially. And so we could offer you to, to personalize your insurance experience because we are on the smartphone. And that is incredibly hard for traditional insurance companies to convince their traditional comp- customers to change the experience from broker or phone to mobile and get all their customers on that device, which sounds trivial for other industries, but it's a big asset for us that over time, and it goes, and I mean, you mentioned car insurance, motor insurance, but the same applies for smart home, right? Connecting more of your home to our app, which gives us more insights in how safe you keep your home and kind of making the insurance coverage more predictive and cheaper for you
0: you mean connect the alarm system into the phone you do that now and to know whether i'm arming my alarm every night or neglecting it that type of thing exactly no all right and still you told our producer there was a problem a pain point we're going to get to that in a moment but first i've got to talk about my second sponsor it's unbalanced you know Unbounce, christian what do you know about Unbounce?
1: And bounce for me, it's a it's a it's a tool where you can test a lot in a super easy way. So you nice. can you, you can you can create A/B testings and, and landing pages and experiments that, by the way, now look really good because of their template library, that is amazing, um, without a lot of without any engineering, to be honest, to be involved. Mm-hmm.
0: And you know what? And the design, I think, is one of their best assets. It's it's the first time that I was able to actually make designs for my site look good when I used Unbounce to create landing pages. I remember showing my friend Noah Kagan. He agreed to do a, a, a an online course for my audience. And he did it as a favor. And then I created an Unbounce page and I showed it to him. I remember seeing the look on his face when I showed it to him. He was like, Mm, that is impressive, you know, and no one never says he's impressed unless he really means it. He likes to give it to you straight. All right, well, here's what they're doing. They're not advertising Unbounce right now. What they're doing is they're saying that they've got their new conversion benchmark report. It's available. The 2021 report is out right now. You can get it directly at unbounce.com CBR conversion benchmark report. And why would you want to do that? It's because you want to see how your conversions stack up against other companies like yours, you want to understand which of all these best practices actually are supported by data and which ones we're all following because we're all following and so you'll see if what you're doing works out you'll get numbers conversion rates to tell you whether you're competing well with others and maybe you should be aspiring to do more it also tell you how realistic some of what you're looking for is they said that in their surveys people said that they would not be satisfied with their conversion rates until they hit 26 percent or above Meanwhile, if you know the truth, you know that conversion rates industry-wide might be 11.88%. And so the more you know about your industry, the more you know about what's possible, the more you'll be able to reach the heights and beat what's possible in your space. But go to unbounce.com slash CBR right now to get that con- that benchmark conversion report, see how you stack up, and get ideas that will help your conversions increase. Unbounce, thanks for sponsoring. Um... You said, look, the challenge for us was we were now back to zero. So you go from finally making it to down to zero. What is it about you, by the way, that makes you say, I'm going to have to do this instead of saying, I got a good business here. Let's take this out to other countries and be done. Why'd you have to go into insurance and suffer?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you my motivation and it's pretty, it's, it's, it's still the same and it's still amazing and it excites me every day, which is... First of all, all of my friends, parents, relatives, everybody needs insurance. That's what I love so much about building consumer products and retail products. All, all of your peers and people around you can use it. And insurance is somebody, something you, you may not talk about that so much with your friends, but you know that everybody has it, right? And you can give them a better experience. That's the first. And the second one is, imagine a tech company like, I don't know, TikTok or something, and 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 if I ask you, how likely is it that it still be there in thirty years, right? And they still have a stable business model that gets better and better and make money uh, uh, there. And it's not it's not guessworking. It's it's predictable. Insurance is that business because our customers are on average between twenty five and thirty when they kind of um, uh, become customers for the first time and buy their first insurance policy with us. And what's also noble, and if you check with with yourself or other people, people tend to keep insurance for decades, mostly until they die. And it makes also sense for some insurance products to stay with that provider because it gets more expensive if you drop out and go to another one. And and so the the nature of insurance is super long-term. And so now we can build a tech company applying all the tactics of the Airbnbs and the Ubers and tech companies apply to insurance, but build a tech company that has a high, high probability because of the nature of the model to, so that the customers that I acquire today, my first customer is very likely to be with us in 30, 40 years. And that's exciting.
0: I found that to be true too, for my life, that most insurance, you just kind of set it and forget it. You make a, I, we did a lot of research when we first got our car, moved away from Ubers to getting a car and we found the right one. And then we just stopped evaluating because they do well by us. I see what you're talking about. Was it then, helpful at all to have gone through the first iteration of the company, the one where you're digitizing people's products, where you're acting as a broker, or was that just a way to get money and traction to build your new idea?
1: Would I do it again? Probably yes, but in a shorter time frame. So we spent two years almost doing that first, let's say, first feature, first phase of the company. Was it helpful? Yes. Why? Because we did two things. We spoke to a lot of frustrated insurance customers. So people that joined GetSafe, the mint.com of insurance, as I call it, to digitize their policies with us were obviously not satisfied with the way how insurance worked before with them, traditional insurance, right? So we learned a lot about the pain points and the things we need to fix on the consumer side, but we also partnered with 100 insurance carriers because we were just a broker, right? We didn't have our own products. We were the intermediary, and we learned about the pain points, and that was even more interesting, of insurance companies. We learned about their tech systems or non-existing tech systems, about they, how they do customer service, how they're structured as companies where they split distribution, right, agents and brokers from Headquarter, which is a problem. I believe in direct to consumer, where you get direct response from your consumers, what insurance companies usually don't get, right? Because of this split, so we learned a lot, and we could apply a lot of that. And that's why I think that compared to other techs and, and startups that do insurance, we have an advantage because we build. We didn't build our our platform and backend system and proposition on the green field. But with all that knowledge of the first two years, and so I think we we now built the more scalable, better, more accurate system out there, that in the long term will be a, a benefit. So I, I don't regret it, let's say. I would make it shorter, but it was a useful experience
0: you then, you also realized the people who had insurance who were coming to the first version of the business which you call like mint mint.com for insurance were different from the ones you were going to sign up for get safe today which is insurance how did you realize that you needed to go after brand new people
1: it was it was pretty clear to be honest it was solving my parents problem first and solving my problem. You remember the story when I broke the glass doors, was just a graduate, had to buy insurance for the first time, didn't do that. That's why I had that problem essentially. And it wasn't covered. Um, It was pretty clear because of, first of all, because we wanted to solve that problem. And then because insurance had, and you mentioned that, has this tremendous lock-in effect, which as a business is a good thing. Because once you have it, you forget about, you may forget about it and just keep it, which also means it's, it's tremendously difficult to get somebody like you that perhaps is locked right. into a system and happy into a new experience. And, and, you know, the business model that we pursue is we get people when they're very young with a renter's insurance usually, and then we start offering more insurance product like car insurance. Uh, we will go into life and term life insurance. We'll go into homeowner's insurance. Why? When they become hon- owners right. instead of being renters, so we grow with our customer base, um, and that that's why you need a young customer base to kind of have that 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 bundling then in the customer base over time.
0: By the way, this even the first version of your business makes so much sense. I feel like someone should start doing that in the U.S. I started Googling to see if anyone's doing that mint.com for insurance paperwork in the U.S. I don't think anyone is. Am I right?
1: There's there's a fun story. There's a German team, and I think today they're called Gaby, G A B I, that wanted to do that to copy that European idea, which is by the way also very rare. That European idea gets to the US. Normally, it's <laughs> right. the other way around. i really I'm really I really want to change that. By the way, but still, um, but it just was. I think they pivoted now and are doing price comparison on car yep. insurance or so.
0: Price comparison um, for insurance, but, auto and but home. But it
1: was a German team based in the US that tried to to copy that. I don't know why it failed, or why they didn't stick to it. Um, insurance at its core is similar in all countries, right? you cover your home, your mm-hmm. car, you're traveling, but the, regu- the regulation is very different. That's why I don't believe there will be an Airbnb, a global leader, or tech monopoly so quickly, but rather continental leaders. There will be a, a digital insurance company that wins in the US, a digital insurance company mm. that wins in the in, in Europe and in Asia, but not that global leader global so one. quickly because it's yeah, it's regulation is, is different.
0: Also there isn't much benefit, right? Airbnb that works all over the world is helpful for me because I don't want to have to figure out what the right airbnb is ditto for uh car service like uber or, or grab but i get it for health for health insurance car insurance whatever i need i'm not looking when i move to right, no. to the same company all right how did you become an insurance company that seems like one of the hardest things that you've done
1: yes but um this is there there's there's easy easy ways and shortcuts i would say so there's this thing called MGA where you're not a broker, but not an insurance company. You're essentially building your insurance business and you're doing everything, the pricing, the, the, you can do the underwriting, the claims handling, but you build your business on the balance sheet of another traditional insurance company, a big insurance company. In our case we found reinsurance companies like Munich Re and Swiss Re that people may have heard about, so big global reinsurance leaders that didn't just provide us the reinsurance, but also let's say the regulatory licensing framework that you need to build insurance products and sell them in your name. So so we took kind of that, we outsourced that part of the business and now step-by-step are taking stuff on our balance sheet essentially um, so in, in five years from now, if you ask me, GetSave will, will be a full-stack carrier that has all the business on their old balance sheet. And we are really a proper, in the in the narrow sense, insurance company. Today, we're an insurance provider that is kind of outsourcing part of the risk management and taking regulatory stuff to very experienced companies, right? That people also trust, I think, as the trust directors that makes the organization the capital requirements way more lean for us um, and so we are we're we're growing within the value chain step by step that's the approach we have taken there's other startups that start with a big with a big regulatory setup that is expensive and maybe not I think it's a distraction that you don't want to have in the beginning we, we we took this stepwise approach and that means it was e- that doesn't mean it was e- was easy right because still it's to become this MGA it's regulated you need to do a lot of a lot of due diligences and 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 you are a regulated company essentially but it's easier than people might think
0: I didn't realize that the other thing that I was trying to understand was then where you got your customers so I went to Semrush and one thing that I realized there was drone insurance is pretty big source for you, right? I guess people buy a drone, they want to see what insurance is. And so that's one of the big products I could tell because that page is pretty big. And then I saw that where you were getting your customers and maybe this is overly simplistic, but it seems like it's from deal sites, right? People are looking for deals on insurance. They don't just go to Google. They look for people like uh, that Gabby.com site that we talked about. And that's where you partner. Am I right?
1: yeah, so what we have a lot in Germany, so we do do a mix, to be honest, right? So we have a decent part of organic growth unless I mean the point is insurance is not viral like other products. So that's right. that's that's a dream that doesn't come true. It's not that that interesting and sexy that it goes viral, but we have a decent amount of of, of, of organic growth that is very important for us. Um, especially we have a lot of repeat customers. So one out of three people, Buys a second product with us very quickly after they signed up with the first product. And that's that's the growth loop that you want to have, right? People bundling more policies with you. And the deal sites, as you call them, uh, in Europe are very, very well known. It's 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 price comparison size aggregators that make the insurance buying experience more transparent for, for users because they compare insurance providers. And, and they call price comparison, but they're much more than that. Essentially, they're rating the rating sites where customers rate the service level, the product, the pricing of insurance companies. And we are, as we are, way more sophisticated in how we do our pricing, how we change it quickly, how our service is quicker. Right, our claims experience is way better. We are really winning on these sites compared to other insurance companies. So it, for us. It makes a lot of sense to be compared to other traditional insurance companies, and that's what happens on these sites where we get a lot of traffic from. Um, I think they're they're way bigger in Europe and the UK and in other European markets than in the US. But um, it's a good yeah, thing for realize consumers, that I think.
0: Look, there's one, mydeals.de. Apparently, they're sending you about 5% of your traffic. They're comparison site for everything from credit cards to Crocs, from what I saw. I didn't realize how big they were. Uh, And then there's another one, Simple Germany. I guess that's for expats who are moving into Germany who need to understand, according to the site, how to deal with the bureaucracy, what they need to get. And one of the things that the site says is you need insurance. Let's explain the insurance system in Germany. And then uh, I guess people from there end up signing up. Uh, for you. And you know right? what's
1: funny? It's it's we were we're just the only provider that does things in English. So we offer product terms, mm-hmm. but also customer service in English. And and insurance companies here don't do that. So it's it's besides uh, besides being having a great customer experience and products, um we're we're pretty unique in doing that.
0: And that's because what you have I noticed that by the way too. I, I'm on an iPad like you are. I don't think iPad's translation button works nearly as well as the one in Google Chrome. And so in a lot of the sites that I look at to understand how your business works, I have to manually put it into Google uh, Translate to understand them. Your site, easy. There's always on the upper right English or or DE for, uh, for German. I, I get that. Well, what's the point of that though? Do you have a lot of expats who sign up? Is that what it is?
1: No, the major reason is that our business language at GetSafe as a company is English. It's not German because we have a lot of experts working with us. Um, we have a small team in London um, as we're active also in the UK. So our, our daily language is English. So we built, and that's funny, and that's what German-European companies besides startups don't do. We built everything in English and then translate it to German. We'll translate to, to French once we go to France to it, Italian once we go to Italy, but English will st- always be there by, by default. So for us, it's, it's kind of the default language. We, we had it there anyway for free. So we just edited, it. And then by surprise, we found that we are the only company offering that and that organically without any, and doing a lot of marketing, a lot of expats come to us to, to cover themselves.
0: It wasn't planned. Uh, yeah. And I see that the English version, um, again, I'm just using SEMrush's traffic analytics tool. I see how popular the English version of the site is. Let's close it out with this. A, a first of well, yeah, a vision for the future. Where do you see the business going in the future? What's the opportunity that we may not notice as we're looking on the sidelines?
1: So first of all, what I mentioned is we're building a business that there's a hundred percent probability that as a business and business model will still be there in 30 40 years with the same customers right yeah that we have today so that's that's one thing that we're building and so it's growing over time um, the other thing is that insurance even if you look at new ger- generations buying insurance is is a huge huge market it's a mass market and to give you a number there's Millennials in Europe, so people between 20 and 35 in Europe alone, and that's our marketplace, right? I mentioned continents, so we are focused in Europe, will buy a billion new new insurance policies in the next 10 years, in in this decade, essentially. If we manage to if we manage to get, let's say, 15, 20% market share with these with these falls in the next 10 years, we will be one of the biggest insurance companies in the world. Um, in 10, 15 years from now. So it's, it's, and we are at 10% market share already in Germany. So we see, we can replicate this. So it's a realistic, it's realistic. Why? Because there's no competition for us in the sense that traditional insurance companies offer a totally different experience, right? It's way more paper, call center, whatever based. And so we have that window of opportunity and that's what, what's exciting. There may be other startups that do similar things, um, but incumbents are so locked into their legacy technology and agents and broker system that they can't really act. And I think that's the opportunity as a business that we see, plus the dream that, that we have to build a 40, 50, 100-year-old company, maybe even that exists when we're dead um, ourselves, and that's exciting for us.
0: I. Here's what I'm learning from you. I've learned a bunch. Number one, I used to think that if you have a bunch of business ideas as an entrepreneur, you're actually getting distracted. Instead, what I've learned from you is you're training yourself to look for opportunities. You're training yourself to spot business opportunities, business solutions, where other people are training themselves to stop, to spot problems or to ignore them. The other thing is that Obviously, in a problem, there's a potential business, which for you was in understanding what insurance your family had, that was a business but also in the fact that we have a lot of paperwork all of us in the world and information is locked in there and human beings looking at paper is not the solution i'm also starting to think what else is there that there, where there's paperwork where software could maybe help people understand what rights they've got based on those agreements what they should have asked for based on those agreements or even just software to organize it so we can make it easily searchable that's an interesting opportunity the other one is Maybe German businesses have ideas that we're ignoring. Maybe one of the reasons why so many people are copying American businesses is because they're getting so much attention. Maybe there are other businesses in Germany, in uh, in Africa, where people are coming up with creative solutions that would apply here and we should be copying. Finally, this big business idea that you had, I would have been intimidated to get into the insurance space but there's a way to do it just like in banking there's a way to create a bank without creating a bank right the challenger banks are built on other banks and that is an opportunity that's not obvious but it should be obvious I think I've taken a lot away from this beyond that list what did, what did I miss if anything
1: It's a it's amazing it's a perfect summary and I think um, I think that what you mentioned is distraction or focus I think focus is, is totally important, right? Don't get me wrong. I don't encourage people, but I encourage people to, to stay to be curious, right? And and, and and train your mind to stay creative. And sometimes if you have a business, sometimes you you, you get also trapped into that tunnel. And and to, it, sometimes it's it's refreshing to think about other problems, uh, to stay creative and also motivated for your business. So that's how I, I apply that to if I can kind of just add something to what you summarized pretty well. Um, so I think it was a, an exciting session with a lot of learnings and, and topics we touched.
0: Thanks for doing it. And I'm noticing. Your whole background keeps getting darker and darker because it is later in Germany. I appreciate you being here and staying up late for me. Um, I'll tell everyone who wants to go check out the site, go to hellogetsafe.com. Of course, in the upper right, as I said, you can switch to English or Germany, depending on your preference. I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you have any kind of landing pages you want to understand how you can improve them, go to... Uh, unbounce.com slash cbr unbounce.com slash cbr and if you need a website go to hostgator.com slash mixer g bye everyone